scrolling through Twitter and other parts of the world, you can see the topic of deprescribing of psychiatric medications coming up a bunch. So what is that? What does it exactly mean? Is this something that we should just be doing, taking everybody off of their psych meds? There's a lot of nuance to the conversation. There's a lot of discussion that needs to occur with it. So let's learn from me. My name is Salman Mirza. I am a psychiatrist, board certified in adult psychiatry, child adolescent psychiatry, and addiction medicine. Deprescribing of medication is not something that is exclusive to the world of psychiatry. It's something that's been around for a bit. It's something that originated in geriatric medicine. Essentially what it is, is taking away, reducing, optimizing the medication that somebody is on. It came about a lot in geriatrics because people would be on medications for years, for decades at times even, and these medications over time would just accumulate and build up to the point that, you know, when somebody's in the hospital or somebody's kind of assuming care of somebody, you don't know what all these medications are for, what they're doing, what's happening with them. We're not sure what the side effects are, what medication is causing what side effect, what are some of the interactions. The more medications you add into there, the more possibility of negative or potential dangerous drug interactions there are. And it makes the care a lot more complex. So the idea was, is you're looking to reduce unnecessary medications you want to get rid of redundant medications and potentially harmful medications. You're basically looking to optimize your benefit to risk ratio that comes along with any prescribing of any medications. When we're talking about deprescribing in psychiatry, there's a lot of the discussion that comes around the stigma of mental health, stigma of mental illness as a whole, and the fact that when we're talking about psychiatry, there's this discussion of what's subjective versus objective and how we work with that. And a lot of this comes back to the criticisms that are there in society in regards to psychiatry and psychiatrists as a whole. And honestly, when we're talking about it, psychiatry doesn't have like the best past. Psychiatrists have this very sordid and ugly history that's there, which is something that needs to be explored by all trainees, all young psychiatrists and psychiatrists have been around for a while because it's really important to look back on the things that our field has done negatively so that we can try to avoid these things in the future. Psychiatry as a whole, again, continues to be under attack. There was the recent paper which came out which showed that there was a quote unquote, the chemical imbalance myth is dead and that it's just a myth. And it's something that again, psychiatrists as a whole have known for decades, but it's something that as we saw the kind of the reaction was the public's awareness of this wasn't really there. By extension from the paper, a lot of the critics will then say, well, the medication doesn't work. There's no scientific basis for the medication. So stop using psychiatric medications. When we're talking and giving an honest critique about psychiatric medications, we have to understand that these are powerful medications. They affect our brain, our body as a whole. So we have to know how to use them appropriately and just as importantly, know when to not use them just as much as when to use them in the first place. And depressions can cause all kinds of issues, things like upset stomach, things like headaches, things like suicidal thoughts. It can cause sexual dysfunction, sometimes long lasting sexual dysfunction. You know, benzos, benzodiazepines can cause things like addiction and worsening cognitive decline and cognitive function as a whole, confusion. And a psychotics can cause significant weight gain and cause a lot of metabolic effects, things like diabetes, long-term effects like extrapyramidal symptoms or tardive dyskinesia, which is a kind of movement disorder, which is long-lasting and permanent. And we know ECT, as effective and helpful and usually as safe as it is, can have for some people long-term effects, which again, can be very permanent. And a lot of these issues come about from misdiagnosis and subsequent mistreatment. 
And there's a lot of reasons why those things may occur. One of the reasons that this can occur is there's such a dearth of the supply of quality providers. Again, we have to understand with a lot of the antidepressants and psychiatric medications that are out in the world, 75 to 80% of them are prescribed by non-psychiatrists, by primary care doctors, where this isn't their main area of expertise. They may not have the level of comfort expertise that a psychiatrist may have. There's a lot of time constraints. We have insurance what's on there, which causes, again, misdiagnosis, so when we're looking to do a de-prescribing, when we're looking to optimize somebody's medication regimen, the first thing that we have to do is get the patient to buy into it and say, hey, this is something that we want to do. And there's two main reasons that somebody may come to it. One, they're having a lot of negative effects and they're like, hey, we just need to do what's called like a washout. We need to do a cleanup so that we can have hopefully a fresh start. Or somebody's doing really well for a long period of time and they're saying, you know what? I don't know if I need to be on these medications anymore. It's my personal belief that we're trying to reduce the number of medications that anybody is taking for all reasons. And that includes psychiatric as well as medical as well. Things like blood pressure medications. If somebody's able to get their blood pressure in a safe range and they don't need the medication anymore, why take it? Same things with things like diabetes, right? Our goal of somebody when they have diagnosed with diabetes is not to be on medication for the rest of their life. We want to get them to the point where they don't need it. And the same thing goes for psychiatric medications. Does that always work out? Not always, but it's something that we can kind of aim for. And this is what we mean when we're talking about a holistic view of, of working with the patient. The word holistic has been perverted to mean anti-psychiatry or non-psychiatric medication means, but we're looking at it from the whole person view, whether that is medication, whether that is health, whether that is therapy, working and utilizing that biopsychosocial model so that we can optimize the patient's supports in the best way. When we're doing the deep scribing, one of the things that we need to always have is the patient consent. We need to make sure the patient's aware and knows that like, hey, this is still what we're doing and that this is something they agree to. A lot of times, again, we'll do it during a period of stability. People are doing well. Somebody's depressive episode may be in remission. Somebody's like, hey, my anxiety is under control. And we want to have a period of time between six to 12 months to say things are stable, things are good. When we're doing the deprescribing, reducing of the medications, we do one thing at a time, one step at a time and we do a slow and gradual approach to minimize potential withdrawal effects and also to kind of see what the effects were. Understand this is where we have to look into the pharmacology of the medications, understand the half-lives, how long it takes for a reduction in medication to actually take effect in the person's body and see what that reduced dose is actually doing. We give this, again, time to step back, reassess, see what's happening. Hey, we reduced your antidepressant. Let's give it a solid month or so and see how we're doing with that dose. As someone who's a psychiatrist, when you're talking to your patient about this, the major thing is you wanna have and encourage honesty with the patient when we're doing a self-assessment. You know, there's a lot of people who are motivated to say, hey, I wanna get off these medications. And then what they'll do is maybe lie to themselves, misrepresent how they're actually doing for the sake of going along with the reduction or the taper. And they may start to struggle. So this is why it's important to sometimes get information from collateral sources as well. Sometimes people will do things like rating skills to kind of measure how they're doing so that we can hopefully get some kind of objective reporting. You're trying to eliminate, again, the biases that can potentially be there. The other thing that's really important is we want to make sure that we don't hesitate to kind of pause on the tapering or reduction or the elimination and potentially go back up for any reason at all. If we see that there's any kind of deep stabilization, there's any kind of safety concerns, anything along those lines, pause, give it time, and potentially go back up if we need to. Maybe we weren't ready to take that medication off. Maybe that medication was doing more than we thought it was doing. And sometimes it's important to realize also that complex cases 
need to be done with more supervision. And that may include something like an inpatient hospitalization, partial hospitalization, or intensive outpatient program, something where we're able to have more regular supervision than saying like, hey, come back in a month or so. All right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed to learn something about this topic of deprescribing is something that's been coming up about a bunch more, a bit of a hot topic. If you're learning something from this, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Always appreciate that. Give me some feedback of some other things that you want to have so I can keep giving you guys the content that you want.